Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Grayling van der Merwe, I know him as Gray, has a fascinating background. He is a young South African who decided to join the French Legionnaires. Once he had finished his contract with the French Legionnaires, he obviously could speak French and had this military warfare background now that resulted in a very unique skill set that applied to a very specific component of wildlife conservation, which is anti-poaching. Gray runs the anti-poaching unit for Myodiri in northern Cameroon and eastern Cameroon in their jungle block. He manages over one million hectares. That's 2.2 million acres. That's about the state of Rhode Island times three under the conservation ethos of one individual protecting it all. An amazing conversation. I hope you enjoy it. We should start again from the beginning now because there's no lag and the video is perfect. It's freaking, we should do take number three. No, it's all good. You're experiencing load shedding, my friend. The South African uh, beautiful thing that is load shedding. 
It's ridiculous, dude. I can't even. I'm so angry right now. I'm so angry. No, man. It's all good. It's all good. Where we where we left off was I was saying that um, you 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 have you you have lion. You are protecting lions. You have no lion on quota, so you cannot hunt lions. So you're protecting lions without them typically having a value, right? The pay it stays model doesn't apply here yes. because you can't use the lion, okay? But you're protecting yes. it anyway because that's what we do. We protect habitat. We protect wildlife. But there's all these cattle everywhere, which I would think would be a very, very good prey base for lions. And knowing that the cattle are, you know, currency, essentially. Are lions being taken well, out left, right, and center? Yes. Um, these cattle, these nomad um, herders, they are actually, so last year, we just for a quick example, quick story. Last year, November, we caught a cattle, a nomad guy. He specializes in, in trapping lions. So he built his, his lion traps, about five, six, seven of them, all of them spreading, and they spread out in different sectors of, of the hunting session. And then he built them with branches and leaves and, and everything in a rectangular shape. The small opening in the okay. beginning uh, with a cable with a snare covering that, that entry point, basically. And then right in the middle, he puts on a dead corpse of a sheep or a lamb or a, a calf or whatever. And then, then that lion smells that bait, walks inside, gets his head stuck in that snare. And then that guy kills it with a with a club, basically beats his brain, bash his brains in. So uh. these these nomads, they have a lot of they have a big problem with lion and leopard with predator <laughs> around them because they move with a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, and a lot of lamb and goats and everything, a lot of donkeys and everything. So it's easy prey for the lion. So when the lions, for example, catch a goat or whatever, they poison then they poison these nomads, they poison that caucus. They put in poison into that caucus for those lions to come back uh. and and eat that caucus again. So either way we're losing lion and leopard. We're losing them, even hyenas. We're losing them. Even jackals. Um the predator population in Cameroon is so so scarce basically. There's just little pockets left of leopard and lion left in Cameroon. Because they're getting destroyed and poached out by these normal people. Because they got no remorse. They don't they don't care if it's a female, male, cub. They kill everything and then they sell that they sell that meat and then they sell that skin. Because lion skin very expensive. Leopard skin, very expensive. Uh, so that's why uh, the predator is, is very high on top of their list of animals. So Grayling, one of the things that someone will say is the poachers that are coming in. Would you say, let me ask this question first. The poaching of meat the poaching of animals on the ground with snare lines and whatnot. What percentage is the locals, like the villagers that are there permanently, versus the nomads? 
Okay, so so you get your nomads, right? And you get the villages, the village people around that's also poaching. They're also poaching. But they poach with, they go for like antelope. They go for like little antelope, like dikers or um, what do you call it? Uh, the Western cob or something like that. They move in with, with firearms and then they shoot and then they move out. They shoot and move out. So like I can say, the percentage between the two groups of poachers that we have, basically 50-50, but basically 50-50 about the two persons. Because you, it's two different poachers, two different types of poachers. So uh -huh. Uh -huh. The But are they doing the same? Are they, are they, uh, yeah. But are they selling, like, for instance, uh, okay, so you said 50-50. Yeah. Of the groups that are 50-50, which are they both poaching to then sell the meat to generate money, or is one using it more for sustenance and for protein and whatnot? Because here's the dichotomy, right? And I think you, you experience it daily because you're there. How can you fault a guy for going to go get a, a, a daker or a cob mm. to feed his family? Especially if you're saying, I'm only hunting four months out of the year, five months out of the year where you give meat in those four to five months, the rest of the months, like, you know, I, I, you're not giving me meat. I need to sustain my, I want to provide protein to my family. I'm not going to kill my cows or my goats or whatnot. Can you fault the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult scenario, right? Yeah, it's a very difficult scenario. And everything. So, yeah, there is people that poach for food. A lot of them does that. There's a lot of people that, they poach and then they sell that meat to the local population and then they go buy booze or cigarettes or whatever, drugs or whatever with it or more ammunition to go on a next hunt, basically. It's very difficult because I know it's a very poor country. The people are poor. Um, but there is types of categories, you understand? So if we get a guy like he shot a Western cop, for example, and we caught him with the meat and the way that he, he killed it, for example, okay, so he got a gun, it's unlicensed or whatsoever. We're going to punish him on the unlicensed firearm. N not so much on the cop, because that is a species that there's a lot of them. Understand? And then his sentence is not going to be that harsh. His sentence is not going to be that harsh. But if he shoots like two of them with a water buck, with a buffalo or two cops or three cops, then his sentence is going to be a little bit more harsher. It's going to, it's going to be, he's going to spend a little bit more time in prison if he's got like more than one antelope with him, you understand? Yeah, it's a difficult scenario because it is, it's difficult because you want, you know, these guys essentially are the locals. This is their land. You know, we're accused of coming in, hunting concessions are accused of coming in and sort of fortification type conservation, keep everyone out, isolate out. Um, and it's a slippery slope, right? You, you want to be able, you know, you want the villagers to be able to hunt if they want to hunt. You want the villagers to be able to provide protein for themselves and their families, right? Yeah. And you also... 
But then, you know, when it starts getting to the point of bushmeat sales, that's where the sort of pendulum starts swinging, right? And that that becomes more of an economic endeavor and not a family sustenance endeavor. And it starts, that, that becomes a very slippery slope to a point where then it's like, oh, it's full, as you say, full scale. It goes from one cop to two cop to five cop to buffalo and whatnot, right? Exactly. Yeah, so that's why we need to, we need to regulate that scenario. We need to regulate everything. But they understand also they can't go into that hunting area. They can't go in because there's small part of our hunting area that we gave to the population right next to our our hunting zone, you understand? So we gave that to them. So in that hunting zone, in that little piece of area, there is still animals left for them to hunt. So they can do their own hunting on, on the side. They don't need to come into our hunting session. They know it, it is illegal to go into the hunting session because they consider the hunting session like the, like the national park, basically. They know exactly they can't go in there. But there is still animals moving outside the hunting concession, moving into their territory that we gave to them to do their plantation, their farming, and everything. There's still animals moving there. Uh-huh. And I've got no authority to stop him there. So if he, if he snares a, a small diker or a cob or whatever, that, that's for him. But don't do it in the hunting concession. Don't do it yet uh-huh. because we employ the people from the local villages around each hunting contest. We employ them. We give them jobs. We give them food. We give them clothing. We give them salaries. We give them everything, what they need. And they just need to do the job. So they don't need to come and, and poach or, or whatever. There's a lot of poachers that I've caught that are, that are apprehended. And then I'm like, listen here, bud. Do you want to you wanna come and work for me? Do you want to come and do anti-poaching? Because he knows the bush, he knows the animals, he knows how a poacher thinks. So I give him like another chance, like a second or third chance uh-huh. to come back and do uh-huh. the right thing. You understand? Uh-huh. So that's basically what we're doing with the local people, try to help them to understand a little better about the conservation, about the animals and what they can do and can't do. How much um, the national park, you're not allowed to hunt. Is there any ecotourism in the national park? There's not a lot. There is, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot of like tourists from America coming in or France or Spain or whatever. They're coming in to come to come and see. Basically, the thing that is generating the most money in Cameroon is hunting. That's the thing helping the most so, people in Cameroon. So I'm not going to say zero. So little, there's not, there's, there's a small amount of ecotourism happening in the national park. If you, based on your experience, if the buffer ring around the national park, if they said tomorrow, hunting, we're banning hunting in Cameroon because we think that there is a better land use that can come in and protect the land. No. No, but I don't think that can be the best thing. Because if I'm a tourist, for example, I go to a country, I want to go and see animals. I want to be comfortable, you understand? I want to be comfortable with my comfortable roads and 
comfortable cars and everything. I want to, I'm going to live comfortable. Understand? It's, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm saying, yeah, the national parks, their accommodation is not up to standard. It's very nice. It's very beautiful. It's, it's perfect actually. Understand? But just the way, the way to get into Cameroon, for example, Cameroon is very really difficult as a tourist. Mm. So they are more accommodating with the hunters. No, excuse me. The hunters are bringing a lot more money in land than uh-huh. tourist people. They call photographic tourism. They know the Cameroon government know there's a lot more money coming in from hunting, from hunters and hunt, hunting society basically or companies uh-huh. than the uh-huh. tourism sector. But hopefully one day the tourism sector can grow into something bigger and better. That's why we are talking also with authorities, like my dearest Safari is also talking with authorities, to do basically in the, in the off-season, um, to come into an off-season to, to bring in tourists, tourists to come and stay in our, in, in our hunting camps, but they're not going to hunt. They're just going to be, be there on a photo safari, you understand? That's why the... Even right. the government approached a lot of hunting companies to make that thing happen. Uh-huh. So, even us as a hunting side, we, we want to see more tourists coming into Cameroon because that's, that's better. That's good. It's good overall. Exactly. Yeah, it's overall good. Uh-huh. Well, Grayling, when do you, you, you said you're going back to the bush in, in less than a month. Um, how long are you going to be in the bush the next, for your next stint? Until December. I'm going to be back in December again back home for Christmas. Well, look, man, we appreciate you. We appreciate what you do. Um, don't, don't, don't forget, the first thing you do when you get to Cameroon is I need pictures of your motorbikes and the people riding your motorbikes, okay, for my videos, number one. Number two, Keep sending us photos. Keep sending us video of all the great work that you're doing, man. Uh, we're very proud of you. Um, I, I look forward one day to shaking your hand. Um, but thank you. Thank you for protecting the wildlife that you do, man. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And yes, my first thing, I will send you those videos quick as possible. <laughs> because, yeah, <laughs> I was promising you videos on motorbikes. No, you're busy. You're busy I'm chasing busy. poachers, man. Busy. I understand. I'm busy, but I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm very busy. But that's the thing I wanted. I wanted to show. I want to show you that. So I will do it as quick as possible. And maybe I'll meet you uh, next year if you're at the SCI show in um, in uh, Tennessee. I think. I think we'll be Nashville. next in Tennessee. Two, right three three hours from where I am right now. But I will be there next year, February, right? I will be there. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Rob. All right, Grayling. You have a great. Uh, you have a great day. Okay. YouTube, uh, YouTube, Rob. Enjoy your day. Cheers, man. Ciao. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.
pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.